Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we tackle your questions on awkward invitations, questions of exposure with new neighbors, whether or not it's worse to be underdressed or overdressed, and how to set boundaries in regards to your baby bump. All that plus a postscript segment that looks at a TD Bank survey on thank yous coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And we're from the Emily Post Institute. You had a fun call yesterday. I did have a fun call yesterday. I got to talk to an Awesome Etiquette listener from pretty much the other side of the planet. I did a Skype call with a listener out there, and I just want to give a big shout out to Michelle and all of her coworkers for um, their support. They reached out from Australia, which if you were to pass a <laughs> dig a hole in Vermont, go straight through the planet to the other side of the world, Australia would be about the, the closest major body of land to where you would come out on the other side. Once you get through the ocean, you know, no big deal. And that molten core. <laughs> um, but um, it really was a pleasure. It was a treat to exchange and to talk a little back and forth and to feel that audience wrapping all the way around the globe. So a great big shout out to all of you, but particularly to Michelle. And I hope that you're listening and enjoying the show. It is always so great to talk to listeners who at the same time kind of have a, a place to talk about etiquette in their professional worlds. And that's always fun for us. So often we're dealing with people in their personal lives. And even if the question is about something work related, it's still their their personal take on it. And it's really fun to get to connect with listeners actually in that professional capacity. So I'm so glad that they reached out. No, me too. And I'm really excited to when the piece that Michelle is working on comes out to share it with our audience. We'll be sure to tweet it out and post it on the Awesome Etiquette Facebook page. Speaking of questions. We should probably get to some of our other listener questions today. Let's do it. We find that getting along with people is pretty important. Do you think you can do that? Oh, yes, I think I can. This question has to do with irresponsible inviting. Dear Lizzie and Dan, Yesterday, my aunt invited me to Rosh Hashanah dinner at my cousin's house and did so in front of my cousin, who didn't say anything, as in, Yes, great idea, please come. I worry that my cousin really thinks the dinner table is too crowded, but couldn't stop my aunt. How should I respond? Is honesty the best policy? Should I talk to my cousins? But if I do that, isn't that the same as asking for an invitation? Won't they feel obligated to say, of course we invite you? Maybe they should be more honest about it, as in, we'd love to see you, but we really do have a lot of people coming. Let's get together the following week. 
or maybe there's some chance they'll actually want me and my daughter or daughters to come. Do you see a best way here? Sincerely, Josh. Oh, Josh, I think it totally makes sense that you don't feel 100% sure about this invite. Um, anytime a guest to a party invites you to the party. No, granted, I'm I'm sure this aunt is the mother of the cousins. And so it's like that feeling of she's more like the head of the family or of that branch of the family. It's OK for her to do this. But at the same time, it's not actually it's it's the cousin's house and it's their table and it's their party. And I think it would be fine for you to check in with your cousin and say something like, Brian, I know Aunt Alice invited me for Rosh Hashanah, but I didn't think she really gave you a chance to say whether or not there was room for me at the table um, or, you know, who was actually being invited, if it was me, just me, or if the my daughters could come too. Um, but I, I'd love to come, but I really wanted to make sure that it was okay. And here's where you give them the out. I totally understand if the table's already crowded. We can always get together another time, and I'd be so happy for that. It gives them the easy out. It lets them know you'd be taken care of if this isn't an option. You're not feeling like you're being turned out, you know, on the street, on a holiday from your family. You're saying, hey, it's really okay. We hadn't planned on this. I understand. But it, it does give the host that chance to say, thank you so much. I really wanted to keep it simple. And my mom keeps trying to invite everybody under the sun. You know, it makes it an easy, understandable thing as opposed to a... <gasps> Oh, gosh, they've been invited and now I can't uninvite them. But this isn't what I want. And it's my party and I'll cry if I want to kind of a thing. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Dan's just sitting here nodding his head. He's like, yeah, yeah I, I just yeah. want to say, yup. But yep. <laughs> there is a point of etiquette you found that wasn't something that occurred to me when yeah. I first read the question. I, I was thinking everything you were thinking about how you make that reply that you do talk to the person, you give them the out, all of those good things. I, I like the way you identified who's the host of this party. Yeah. Because that's a point of etiquette you can point to and say, you know, I should re- I should check with the host. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just got invited by the guest. I'm just going to check in and be sure that everything's OK. You see this all the time with weddings. And you see it with grandmothers being excited to invite all of their, especially when it's the first grandchild to get married. Mm -hmm. You see grandparents often being the ones to like, oh, but we should invite all these people. And then often mom and dad, you know, the parents of the couple are the host of the party. And they're like, mom, we got to stick to what the kids want. and that, Or the couple is battling with parents who want to invite all their friends. And they're saying, hey, this is actually our wedding. So you see it with weddings a lot. But Rosh Hashanah, a little different. But at the same time, still worth checking in and double checking that that invite is 100 percent sure. The host knows how many chairs are at the table. Exactly. Or have been ordered for the wedding or and food, the amount of food that's been ordered. The guest like, doesn't know everybody else who may or may not have been invited. Exactly. And so Aunt Alice, who's been named that, that's not her actual name in this. Um, yep. She was out of line stepping up and inviting. She should have checked with the cousins first, but she did it. She figured it was family. And now you can be the awesome family member who checks in first to make sure the invitation was really a, a, a welcome invitation. No, I don't want to say that because it sounds welcome, but at the same time, I don't know what we would call this. But I yeah, know that it really was a welcome invitation. I think that's okay. Okay. All right. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Josh, we hope that however and wherever you spend Rosh Hashanah, that you have a wonderful holiday with your family. Our next question is titled, Dressed to the Eights? The threes? The seventeens? We're looking for the nines here. (laughs) At a casual wedding, as a guest, is it better to be underdressed or overdressed? Susie. Susie, 
generally speaking, it's better to be overdressed than underdressed. And not because it's necessarily better to be overdressed than underdressed, but because it's oftentimes easier to dial it back or notch an outfit back than it is to notch it up. Yeah. And there might be some discomfort associated with being <laughs> overdressed in a particular situation, but oftentimes that is not quite as unsettling as the type of discomfort one might experience if you were really seriously underdressed or awkwardly underdressed. So for men, what you want to think about is having a, a basic outfit that's solid. So a nice pair of pants and shoes that look good and you're comfortable in. And then a shirt, nice shirt, jacket and tie. And if you find yourself in a situation where it's a little more casual, you can always take that jacket and tie off, roll up the shirt sleeves, undo your top button. Usually not your second or third button. <laughs> Um, but you're going to be in pretty good shape at that point. And for ladies, the approach is actually really quite similar. You want to choose a dress, a basic dress that you're comfortable with, that you can notch up or down and ways that you might notch that outfit up a pair of shoes, jewelry or a scarf that are really going to give that that outfit an accent or a flair, but that are also something that are relatively easy to remove and create <laughs> a slightly different look and feel. Exactly. Um, no, it's perfect. I love it, too, because women, when you're thinking about what type of a dress to wear. So, for instance, I have a long pink jersey knit dress, but the cut of the dress is actually very elegant, even though the material is more casual. And I love that dress because the length puts me OK for formal or not. The cut puts me OK for formal or not. The material is comfortable, which, let's face it, that's a huge plus. But it also, if I need to be super formal, then my jewelry, a beautiful shawl, and a really gorgeous pair of heels really dress that up. And nobody notices that it's jersey knit. Going the other way, keeping it more casual, not wearing a shawl, maybe a pair of sandals or flats with it, and all of a sudden I'm at a nice beach wedding and I'm totally happy. And I love that for women's attire, you can also have maybe a knee length dress, but the material and it's like a simple cut, but the material is really gorgeous or really pretty. And that allows you to play with with the formality there. So you can kind of trade those on and off. And guys, you can always roll up to that reception or that that wedding. And as you're getting out of the car and you're seeing other guys dressed up, you can decide whether that jacket comes on or goes off. And that kind of can help you gauge. You do that last minute gauge because it's so easy for you to just slip that jacket or tie on or off. <laughs> I love it. The The last piece of advice I'd yeah. leave anybody with is if you can, you can always throw a really casual outfit in the back of the car. I'm thinking a bathing suit, something you could play a <laughs> game of softball in. Totally. I mean, Some shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> something you wouldn't mind getting dirty so yeah. that your outfit doesn't become a barrier to participate in, I don't know, some activity that might be going on. And of course, you can always call ahead and ask if you have a really serious question about what kind of attire is appropriate for a certain event. I just want to say that I would like to go to any wedding that might require me to change into softball or football attire. I'm just I'm just saying, like, in the world of dreams, if a wedding does that, I'm there. I, I'm thinking a picnic themed wedding where everyone ends up on blankets on a lawn or something. <laughs> totally. Susie, we really hope this helps and that you have a great time at the wedding, whatever you decide to wear. Our next question is titled, Sorry, My Bump May Bite. Hello there, Lizzie and Dan. I have a question. I'm three months pregnant, and I really do not like confrontation. I'm concerned that well-meaning friends and associates are going to try to touch my stomach. I'm not sure if it's the mama bear in me, but I really don't want anyone except very close family, maybe, touching my stomach. At the same time, I really don't want to offend anyone. 
How do I prevent people from taking the liberty of touching my stomach, short of wearing a T-shirt every day that says, don't touch, (laughs) without being confrontational or awkward? Thank you for your help, TJ. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. TJ, this is a case where it might feel like you're using an etiquette negative to deal with an etiquette negative, which we often say not to do. But if you do it right, I think that what's really going to come across is that you're actually delivering an etiquette positive to combat an etiquette negative. It just if any time that we really have to manage a boundary, it's going to feel like we're being rude. You can deliver it well, but it, it you can sense that people are like, oh my gosh, how is this going to be received? I don't want to come off like a jerk. It starts to feel like what we call an etiquette negative. But I really want to encourage people that when you apply that, the how that matters, you know, when you really think about how you do it, that's going to be what makes it not uncomfortable, what's going to make it understandable, what's going to make it simply I'm, I'm letting you know what I'm comfortable with, and that's something that every person should be allowed, able, capable, and in the construct of social norms and customs able to do. So, so please be reassured that it is okay as you see somebody reach for your belly for you to kind of step out of arm's length and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just not comfortable having my belly touch, but thank you for being excited for me. And so you are making that step back and you are saying, no, don't touch me. 
but it's in a soft delivery that's protecting you and letting them know that you're really grateful for their excitement. This just isn't the way you're comfortable with them expressing it. You know, I don't want to compare it to someone reaching down to pet a dog, but it's an easy comparison because people feel so compelled. Oh, cute face. Da, da, da. And then they, they you see them actually stop themselves and say, can I pet your dog? And I really wish people would do this with bellies, too. Can I touch your belly? Like It, it is automatic. It's automatic. And so you stepping back and, you know, kind of out of that arm's reach, it's perfectly appropriate. Just the same way if someone was reaching for Benny, I would probably step in between and say, oh, I'm sorry, I just want to let you know, you really have to come over and, and be in front of him to reach out to him as opposed to behind him. It scares him a little bit or something. As Dan always says, you're helping them help you. Another word for automatic might be habitual. Yes. So when someone's responding habitually, they're by definition not thinking. They're just doing something out of habit. <laughs> they had someone they were quite close to. They used to love to touch the belly. They had a dog they grew up with. They loved, <laughs> loved to, to pet the dog. The dog yeah. It looked just like this dog. Clearly, yeah. you would pet this dog. I think that's really key. How would you handle if they asked you, is it okay if I... Oh, thank you so much for bringing that up. I would use the same language we talked about before. You could just say, oh, thank you so much for asking first. I'm actually not comfortable having my belly touched. But I am. I'm so glad you're excited. And it is an exciting time. It's just for me that it's a... It's a thing. I'm just not comfortable with it. I love how you just thank them for asking. Well, yeah, because that's like huge. (laughs) Has Pooja been dealing with any of this? Is this like, is she getting the people who are starting to like, you know, the arms reaching out as they're walking towards her like, baby belly, baby belly. It's just starting. She's so excited. She is always inviting me (laughs) to touch. Oh, she's moving. Oh, this is the week that she's starting to dance, that she hears music and responds to it. Incredible. Um, but yes, no, it, it is just starting. So this is a really pertinent question. I was so curious what you were going to say. <laughs> the, the other thing that yeah. is jumping to my mind, you're so good with the sample scripts, but what I'm also noticing is there's a question of tone here. When you mentioned the how, it's so important how you do this yes. and being firm, being clear, but not being angry or upset or startled, I think is a big part of being received well when when setting up that boundary or delivering a no effectively. So what I would suggest in that case is practice. Just practice with your friends and family. Say, hey, I want to run these by you until I'm comfortable saying them where it's gentle, where I say it and it's easy breezy and light and gentle, but still clear. That is such good advice. (laughs) I'm going to practice having Pooj tell me no, please don't touch the belly. Because it can feel, it, we, we want to say yes. I think you're right. That practice of saying no, even to something so simple, um, is really powerful. And I think it's really good advice. TJ, thank you for that question. That's really going to help me out in the coming months. And I hope that this gives you some options for some different ways that you might handle this situation and head it off at the pass before it becomes a difficulty. Our next question is a delicate yet humorous one, and we definitely appreciate the humor with which Julia submits it. It's titled, Exposed to the Neighbors. Hi there. My name is Julia. Uh, I have a really embarrassing etiquette question that starts off with my neighbor being super, super polite and bringing over a bouquet of flowers to my house after they had spent the day tearing up some concrete in their backyard. So it was really loud all day. And I have a six-month-old baby who wasn't necessarily napping as well as she would have. But, you know, they brought over some flowers to apologize and just to make nice, which I thought was super kind. And while I was talking to them at the door, they seemed very eager to walk away. And I hadn't met them before. They're new neighbors. 
So I kept asking questions and trying to engage them, and they kept trying to sort of disappear. And so finally I let them go, and I realized that I had been uh, nursing my baby right before they knocked on the door, and I hadn't covered up all the way, so I was straight up exposing myself the entire time we were talking, and they didn't say anything. I would have said something if I were them, but nobody said anything. They just kept trying to end the conversation, and I kept not letting them, and it was probably three full minutes of me just talking to them with my top up. I don't know if I should go over there and apologize. I was thinking of returning the vase with some flowers and a note maybe, or if we should just never speak of it, but I don't know if I've ever been more embarrassed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I don't know what to do. So maybe you guys know what I should do. Thanks so much. Bye. Oh, Julia, a truly unintentionally awkward situation. I a, I just really want to, to thank you for writing in a question that that is it's exposed. You're exposed in this moment and, and you're you're exposed submitting the question. And I just I kind of love it because it is it's it's comical, but it's uncomfortable. But it's it's a story I'm sure you'll tell much later down the road. And as I said in the beginning, I just appreciate your humor around it because embarrassing, awkward things happen to us. And when they do, it's so nice to be able to kind of laugh at them, but also still try and tackle the end of, so what can I do to rectify this? I mean, rather than be mortified, at least I I love that you're going for the, what can I do? What should I do? Should I do anything? I think your gut instinct is right on. We do think that it would be nice for them to have let you known. I, I think that they, they should have said something. and But I think that being the first time you guys have ever met, I think they had no clue what to do. And I think it's very forgivable that they didn't actually say anything. To new neighbors who may find themselves in similar awkward situations, it is okay to say, I'm sorry, but I I think your top is up or I'm sorry, you might be out a little bit or something like that. If it was a, a zipper undone, you might just say... I'd want you to tell me, but, you know, your fly's undone or your fly's down or something like that. You know, those those little things of I want you to I would want you to tell me or I'm sorry, I don't mean for this to be awkward, but I figured you'd want to know those that kind of language in that moment would be great. They didn't do that, though. And clearly you're a nursing mother. It's not like you just walked up here. No kids in the house with your top off. You know, very different circumstance. This was clearly unintentional. And I'm sure they understood exactly what had happened and why it had happened. I think that you're spot on to think that returning the vase with a note mentioning that you realized 
after the fact that your top had been up. I think that would be totally appropriate. Sometimes just addressing something awkward like this and then letting it go is the easiest and best thing to do. It clears the air a bit. I'm reluctant to give the advice that that you should apologize. I don't think you really need an apology with that. So sample script is a little tougher on this one. You know, like I said, you, you could easily say that they need to apologize for not having said anything and putting you in that embarrassing situation. So I'd, I'd leave the I'm sorry's out of it if you can. But it's natural to want to apologize, too. So I could hear you saying something like, I'm so sorry. I realized after you left that my top had been up because I had just been nursing my baby. And I am so sorry that I kept trying to keep you at the door to get to know you better in what was clearly an awkward moment. I hope you won't hold it against me. Or, you know, I hope that in the future we have many clothed gatherings, (laughs) you know, whatever it is that kind of allows you to exit that with a little bit of humor. I am sure they will understand. And I think that it it will feel good to have everybody be on the same page that that they know that you now know and and that's all clear as opposed to just kind of oh yeah there's our neighbor who had her top up and we never told her and she never mentioned it again and that's kind of odd i think clearing the air is always the easier thing to do let me jump in and ask a question here cuz as i'm listening i'm hearing advice that that sounds good to me and at the same time it's running a little counter to my initial <laughs> impulse <laughs> You want to hide. I do. I'm. There's yeah. part of me that says don't mention it. If you've gotten through that awkward moment and it was awkward enough for them that they didn't want to mention it, that they just wanted to get clear, I might say, you know, I'm gonna play my role as the good neighbor. And these are such incredible neighbors. I, I let's let's do, let's do a little hat tip to the neighbors that bring the flowers over after the construction and make an effort. But they've showed up. It's unannounced yep. and. Uh, Pooja and I have a, a GPE, a general pregnancy excuse. Yes. <laughs> that we, it's a little dispensation we offer. <laughs> and that you might say, you know, this was a minor faux pas and it happened in my home. I'm relatively comfortable and I'd rather not mention it. I think that would draw more attention to it. It would make something more awkward than it necessarily needs to be if we've gotten through that moment of discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I return the flowers return or return the vase, not the flowers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the relationship normalizes over time and you can enjoy a laugh about it later. Maybe not. Maybe it just becomes that funny episode that you tell a story about many years down the road. Yeah, that you've never brought up again or something like that. I think two thoughts on that. On the one hand, clearly you have a baby and you're nursing, so they can put two and two together and figure it out. I mean, they're not dumb, I don't think. They're going to understand what happened. You forgot to put your top down. You'd just been nursing the baby, you know, and that's why they didn't say anything and you didn't realize it. So you're trying to hold the conversation. They get what happened. So I understand the idea of like, you don't necessarily need to bring it up. I'm not sure personally that I would feel comfortable making a joke about it like six months or a year or further into our friendship down the line just because I think that's like a I I guess I'm not as comfortable with elephant in the room kind of stuff and I could see how on first meeting they would not feel comfortable telling you about it I mean you could get away with it but again just the same way you don't always tell someone about the broccoli on the tooth (laughs) sometimes you just can't tell them their boobs are out um but I don't know. I'm still in the camp of you could leave it up to just understandable you're breastfeeding and this was a mistake and we don't know you well enough to tell you about it and just let it go. Return the vase. Don't worry about it. But I also I tend to come from the place of let's have a laugh about this and let me at least acknowledge it. 
I like that, and I and I definitely feel a little bit of that desire in Julia's question that that she appreciates She's from, from that her way. perspective. There's some humor here, and maybe <laughs> yeah. some humor that 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 could be shared and enjoyed, yeah. um, and that might diffuse what I think she also noticed might have felt uncomfortably awkward for her guests in this situation. And this is another thing to consider because I'm here all like, let's get it out on the table and everything, but just not everybody is that way, and we don't know these neighbors. And we don't they as Dan was saying, clearly they weren't comfortable enough to stand up and tell you in the moment they didn't feel they knew you well enough. Gauge your neighbors a little bit. Gauge also your own personal preference because you don't well know them well enough at this point. I think it would be okay to go either direction. You could either just let it be, as Dan said, return the vase, act really normal. Have your top down the next time you see them, you know, pay a little more attention if you can. On the other hand, you could totally just leave the quick note, the simple note. I also think a note as opposed to an in-person conversation about it, it offers less of a chance to make the neighbors feel squeamish and more uncomfortable about it because it's just you've said it, you've acknowledged it. You've let them know that if by chance there was any discomfort made that, that you didn't want that. You know, but you were unaware. And and so it was a simple mistake. And you can, you know, if you want to extend that, you can. Julia, I hope this helps. And I hope that as as breastfeeding continues and as construction continues and as neighborly relationships continues, that they are all in a place you feel comfortable with. But there's more. What's that? More questions coming up. But first, a word from our sponsor. We have one final question for you this week that is super quick, and it comes from the wonderful world of Facebook. Susan wrote in with a a question of a different kind of of naming issue, and she said, Not a straight etiquette question, but thought the Emily Post Institute would know the answer. My son is named after his grandfather and great-grandfather. My son's uncle is also named Charles and named after my son's grandfather. Would my son be Charles IV? Thank you. Susan, you say this isn't a straight etiquette question, but it's actually a pretty simple and straightforward etiquette question. Your son, Charles, is not going to be Charles IV. You're only a second or a third or a fourth if your father and their grandfather and their father, your great-grandfather, were all also exactly Charles, same middle name, same last name. To get that distinction or that title of second or third, the names need to be identical and there needs to be a direct relationship to the, the previous generation. So when that name moves over to the uncle and then comes back, to, in, in, in your case, back to your son, the name is going to reset. So it's a, a remarkable and wonderful family tradition, but technically he's not going to be a fourth. So because it jumps over to the uncle, that's the break that occurs. You have to be a direct lineage down to get Mm -hmm. the fourth. It has to be father to son to father to son. The uncle to nephew doesn't carry through, even if the name is perfectly exactly the same as the uncle's name. Nope. And it, it, it has to be the father and, and that, that distinction, the, the middle name is also important. Yep. Yep. So, no, absolutely. That part I knew, but I didn't know that you, I thought as long as it was every single generation has one of them, that you carry on the, the numbers, but it has to be father to son. Susan, you helped us clarify a very simple point of etiquette. Thank you so much. 
And thanks to everyone who sent us your questions. It really is the heart of the show. You can send your updates and comments to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or you can leave us a message at 802-866-0860. Or you can reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know that you want it on the show. It's only common courtesy, Chuck. I know, but I couldn't help it. All right. This is what is rapidly becoming our favorite part of the show, where we get to hear some of your feedback to the discussions that are ongoing here at Awesome Etiquette. So without further ado, I'd like to turn over the section to Chris. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. First, I bring you a note of thanks from a woman who wants to be known as the happy hostess. And she has a background as an oncology nurse and recently threw a party for a dear friend battling breast cancer. And what she has learned as a regular listener to Awesome Etiquette, I think really served her well at this party. She writes, As I completed preparations, I was sometimes tempted to feel accelerated or caught up in that age-old habit of seeking perfectionism. But I so appreciated your voices in my ear. No, really, I listened to your podcast the whole time I was cleaning. The hostess sets the mood. A relaxed and joyful hostess begets a relaxed and joyful experience for all. Additionally, I channeled many of your tips for timeliness, nothing worse than attending a shower and half an eternity into it, no one has cracked a gift. And for casual redirection of conversation, twice a guest seemed to openly tread into personal territory that I sensed our honoree may not feel comfortable addressing at length in front of the group, re her treatment details, upcoming mastectomy, etc. Thanks to you, I felt equipped to manage this with confidence. She concludes by defining what she thinks true hospitality is, which, as she puts it, is to allow others to leave your home or event feeling better about themselves, uplifted, energized, honored, and blessed. It is not about secretly making yourself crazy to ensure they come away with an improved image of you, the host. This is so freeing. Sincerely, happy hostess. And Lizzie and Dan, I think that's a really nice distillation of points you continually make on the podcast. I am just elated with this ending definition and concept that Happy Hostess has given us. Really, when you take the pressure off yourself and give yourself a chance to just simply think about other people and how they're going to experience your party, I think it does do just that. It makes it easier. It makes it relaxing. It makes it, oh, wait a second. When I'm not worried about me, I can take care of you very easily. Watch me do this. It's so amazing. When I first read this response, um, it made me feel so good inside. I'm really glad that Chris decided to share this in the feedback section. Thank you, happy hostess. We also heard from Tessa, who wanted to join the great how do I get my potluck containers back debate from episode 104. And Tessa writes, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. My boyfriend and I have been traveling almost every weekend this summer, and your podcasts have kept us great company. One thought I had on the container conundrum question, my mom labels her containers too, which is a great solution if you ask me, but she also has a couple of casserole dishes with her name etched on the bottom. She made this with her friends at a craft night, and I love that idea. It looks really cool, and it says Brooke, frosted on the bottom. 
Who'd want to keep a dish with someone else's name on it permanently? Anyway, just a thought. Thanks, Lizzie and Dan. I love listening to you both. Tessa. What a gift to be crafty, Dan right. and Lizzie. <laughs> Very practical, that cra- that craftiness. It could come in real handy. I love it. That was, you know, it's one of the things, as Dan had, had said in the answer, you know, he knows my mom does this, and you just you write your name on the bottom of it, and boy, it's amazing how quick that dish will get returned to you. Tessa, we're so glad that we could provide you and your boyfriend a little company on all those drives. How long now before you'll be going out to make your own way in the world? Not very long, I guess. And whatever you do, wherever you go, you'll want to put your best foot forward. our postscript segment this week we have kind of a special one i am currently partnered with td bank and one of the really cool and exciting things about this partnership was that td really cares about its customers and one of the things that they wanted to look into in depth was how do customers feel appreciated by an organization that they choose to bank with and appreciation clearly is about gratitude and thanking. And so they did this really cool thank you survey. And they really got into the depths of how people like to be thanked, what types of thank yous matter to them, different generations, and whether they like to be thanked electronically or in person or with freebie. I mean, they kind of really went into what is it that makes a thank you tick? And so we wanted to take a minute in the Postscript segment to geek out on thank yous for a moment and talk to you about what the study found and how it relates to what Dan and I talk about when it comes to thank yous all the time. (laughs) So one big picture thing that came up right off the bat is that thanking really has stood the test of time that people care about this. It really matters to people. We're talking almost 100% of people, like some of the the highest positive response rates a survey can record when it's reached statistical (laughs) significance. Um, We're to answer questions, is thank you important? And is hearing it often important to you? And this has crossed um, ages. This crosses genders. This crosses all socioeconomic categories. It's really remarkable how important thanks and gratitude is and how it makes people feel. And to me, that that is such a, 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 a you, you can dive into the details, <laughs> right? but it's so important just to acknowledge that because um, we get questions. Does it still matter? Does it does, still is matter? It, is it important? And yes, it does. And yes, it is. It's, it's so important that the numbers that Dan is talking about in the survey are like 96 percent of consumers say that um, they say thank you often or very often. So customers are expressing the gratitude. They are out there in the world saying, thank you for this service. Thank you for this. 90% of consumers said that being thanked made them feel appreciated, happy, and satisfied. That's 90%. Like we said, in a survey, that's huge to have 90%. And it justifies that the magic words are not lost. They are important. And they make a difference to people. When you hear that being thanked makes somebody feel appreciated, happy, happy or satisfied, why wouldn't you make sure that you extend that thank you? So we know that thanking is important. What is also important, it's a theme that you've heard Lizzie and I talk about on this show all the time, is that how you do it matters also. That um, the quality of a thank you is really important because these matter to people, how you deliver them also matters to people. You can be a robot just sitting there saying, 
thank you for coming in today. Thank you for coming in today. But it makes a difference to say, Mr. Jones, thank you so much for taking the time to come in today. Or Mr. Jones, or Ms. Ms. Jones, I was so happy to be able to help you. Thank you for coming in today. It builds that connection and it... We talk about closings in letters, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like the closing to your interaction, and it's a it's a really beautiful way to navigate it. I like how you personalized the thank you. When we talk to right? kids in our kids' program, we say, the words aren't magic, the magic's in you. It comes from your tone, your delivery, and I, I like that idea that the, 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 the thanking robot <laughs> isn't going to give you quite the same feeling as yeah, the thanking human. It totally doesn't, and that actually leads to one of the next things that the survey talked about, and this one I thought was really interesting because they divided up based on generations, based on kind of age range, how you like to be thanked by others. And I thought this was interesting because we kind of talk about this in our seminars. That different generations have different communication preferences. And while everyone, no matter what generation, really likes to be thanked in person, the way that you receive a thank you message that's not delivered personally, the the preference varies a little bit depending on the generation that you're interacting with. And this is a message I deliver to, to new hires when I'm doing business training to be aware that there are generations in the workplace that have different expectations than they do. And it's a similar caution to people who um, have been in business for a long time. And they're trying to figure out the best ways to interact with younger customers and new hires who have slightly different communication expectations. I thought that was what was cool about this one was that when it came to in-person thank yous, the baby boomer generation, 55 and older, were, first of all, everybody liked being thanked in person. That was like definitely upheld as as the most positive thank you that you could get. But when it came to divvying it up by generations, those baby boomers were 88%. They wanted to be thanked in person. And this is what I thought was really, really interesting, that the baby boomers wanted that, but that folks who were in the category of 35 to 54-year-olds, they preferred things like texts and emails, and that those sort of things actually made it easier for them. And I think that 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 might be a time in your life when I hate to use the word, but you might be a little more busy. And a lot of people of that age are raising young families where you're you're driving people everywhere, you're doing everything. And while an in-person thank you is definitely great, they also appreciated that electronic thank you. And I'm venturing a guess. This is just me speculating here. I'm venturing a guess that that has to do with time constraints and that it's just a little bit easier to see that thank you pop up in your email or pop up on your phone and just say, oh, great, you know, that was nice, wonderful, good, check mark, and moving on to the next thing. And that's an interesting thing of how how do you kind of grab people at the different parts of their life that they're in? And not surprisingly, 18 to 34-year-olds were interested in, in things like the gift or something like that at an age where you're starting out. It's kind of nice getting those freebies and those little extras. And I think when we're a bit younger, we're more used to feeling good about collecting those items. Whereas when you hit that 34 to 55, you're kind of trying to clear everything out and not really accumulate as much stuff. So that verbal thank you where you're not seeing a message pop up, where it's just in the moment, happened, done, good, is really something that feels satisfying. So I thought it was interesting seeing kind of some of the differences here. 
Absolutely. Another thing that I do in my head when I look at the survey results is I start to add up certain things. Like I add up the, the, the percentage of people that would prefer a personal note and the percentage of people that would like a gift. And that starts to be actually a pretty a, a larger number. We're approaching 50 percent right? of people, even in younger age groups, like the idea of a personal note and a gift. And it reminds me that those traditional choices really do have an impact, even with a younger audience, that taking the time to personalize, to write a little note and to actually physically give somebody something, whether it's a card or a present, it's it's going to have some impact. Well, this TD Thanks You survey has been so cool, and it's been really neat to kind of look at all the different numbers that are coming up. Please check out our Facebook and our Twitter feeds at the Emily Post Institute because we are putting up some cool infographics that highlight even more of the results from the survey. And I just think that it's cool that regardless of age, gender, socioeconomic status, everybody feels happy and appreciated and satisfied when they are thanked. And it just to me, it's like, hooray, this all this stuff that we talk about, all this appreciation, continue to write your thank you notes, continue to reach out to thank somebody. It really does matter. It is still relevant. And that to me is just the proof's in the pudding. And man, that pudding's tasting good. Why? Why does it matter? For several reasons. Look, maybe I can show you. And now it's time for our etiquette salute. We talk a lot on this show about how harsh the dating world can be. Disappointed but not despondent sent a salute reminding us that there are still a few gentlemen out there. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I wanted to send an etiquette salute to a gentleman that I went on a couple of dates with. I was with my ex-boyfriend for four years before we broke up, and it was a painful experience, but a necessary one, and it took quite a while to uncouple ourselves and to have him move out of my apartment. It took me many months after that to kind of get back to that place where I felt like I could put myself back out in the world and, and date again. So I finally did that in late July and went on a couple of dates with a really, really nice gentleman. He took me out and was just very courteous and treated me so well. And, you know, the first date went super well and the second date went kind of okay. He called me after that second date and let me know that he didn't really feel that romantic connection but wanted to stay friends. And he was so kind about it and compassionate and made sure that had nothing to do with me or how wonderful of a person I am. And it was just so nice to get that kind of respect, to get have a call and to be able to talk to someone, not just get a text or have him never speak to me again and just hope that I would never reach back out. It's hard going back to dating, but it's nice to know that there are quality people, quality men still out there in the world. So a big etiquette salute to him. Yours, disappointed but not despondent in San Francisco. Disappointed but not despondent. Thank you for sharing that. We say on the show all the time that how you handle the awkward or difficult situations in life says a lot about you. And this is a good example of, of someone taking a situation that could feel awkward or difficult and really using it as an opportunity to shine and show some real human consideration, some real compassion in, in some ways. I love to the respect aspect of it, that here's another person. You're both trying to find a romantic partner. Give that other person the respect of letting them go when you know that it's not 
going to happen on your end. First of all, I'm so glad that that after a breakup as your first foyer into the dating world again, that this is how something that wasn't going to pan out turned out for you because that is so nice and it does feel nice to be respected. I feel like it gives you the encouragement to try again. And even if the next guy ghosts or doesn't do it well, you're like, you know what? The guy like the first guy, he's out there and they will do that or it'll turn out nice and you'll be in a great relationship. But I think it just really shows a good level of respect when either party can stand up and say, I really enjoyed my time with you, but I'm not feeling what I need to feel. The, the thing we were testing out wasn't there for us. And, and that's OK. But I want you to know I appreciate you trying. And I know that sounds silly, like, oh, good try. But at the same time, it's comforting to know that someone understood what was going on, too, and gave you the respect that you deserved in that situation. Absolutely. And thank you for, for reminding us about uh, what it is to be a gentleman. It's one of my favorite concepts, the idea of a gentleman, someone who embodies and expresses that genteel quality that is a really nice thing to have in life. So thank you for sharing that with us and good luck out there. Disappointed but not despondent. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send your next comment, question, or etiquette salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can reach us by phone at 802-866-0860. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Help us out. Please, if you love the show, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Chris Roberts. 